and welcome to episode 63 of the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Sarah Mandershad. My co-host is Austin Myers. And today I'm talking about the five things to think about before partnering with a running coach and how to add fun to your training. Oh my gosh, I'm such a big believer in adding fun to your training. And it definitely can be done. And it's definitely something that we get to do. And so I'm excited to share some ideas and hopefully it refreshes that idea in your mind as well. So um, let's get to it. So if you're looking to take your training to the next level, maybe you are training for a new distance. Maybe you are looking or thinking about getting into running you can partner with a running coach. It's all based on what you want as an athlete. And there are so many coaches out there that I'm a big believer that there's definitely a coach out there for every type of athlete and every type of athlete, like what they want, where they're at, where they want to go and all of that. So it's a really cool thing to have. Um, and I'm biased because I am a running coach, but I want to thank Chris, um, on Instagram for asking this question last week and just offering this title or this topic suggestion. And, um, and it's been on my list and I think now is a great time to talk about it. So why not? Right. So everyone can partner with a running coach. You don't have to be elite. You don't have to be sub elite. If you are someone who is looking to up-level your training, you can partner with a running coach and that can look totally different, right? It could be downloading one of their plans and getting their personality, their energy, their coaching philosophy through that plan and executing it yourself. It could be on the other side of the spectrum where you're working with them one-on-one, they are building workouts designed for you and your effort levels to be able to take you to that next level. You're talking with them on the phone. You're FaceTiming with them. It can be that all in, right? Being all in. Um, So when I decided to hire a running coach, it was in 2019. I had just ran a half marathon, maybe the year before. And I was thinking about running another half marathon. So my sister and I would run a half marathon every like fall, every year. And it was starting to get to that point where I thought, gosh, it would be kind of fun to like run the marathon distance. And if I'm going to run the marathon distance, I want to do it right because it just looks like something that hurts. (laughs) There has to be a better way around it. And I also want to Boston qualify. I want to get a BQ in my first, in my first marathon. So um, what's the best way to do that? Now, if you're in a situation in any other type of like situation in life, what would you do? You would hire someone to help you, right? So that's what I did. Um, I heard about, I ultimately ended up hiring Nell Rojas, who is my current coach. Um, And there was another running coach in between us, um, but I ultimately decided to hire her for running CIM, which was the first marathon I ran in Sacramento in 2019, um, because she believed in me. Because when I gave her my information and the details and the goals and my half marathon PR. She's like, let's do this. She believed in me. She, I could feel it from day one. Like the motivation was there. She was excited. Let's go after it. 
And that's something that was really important to me. Now, I had talked to a few other coaches before her, and no one asked me what my half marathon PR was. Why is that important? Well, you can do a a calculation to figure out um, based on your half marathon time, roughly with proper training, how you should run a marathon. Like what time will it take? And I knew I would be in that Boston qualifying window if I had a good day, if I had a good training cycle and stuck with the plan. But they didn't see that. They didn't think I could get a BQ. And I thought, well, I know I can. So I need to find a coach who believes in me too. And ultimately, it's not just believing that I could get this BQ, but she really believed in me as an athlete. And to this day, she still does, right? (laughs) She's awesome. So there's so many coaches out there. um, But I think it's really important that if you are looking to partner with one, that you get to interview coaches to get a feel for their process, their communication, their coaching philosophy, the certification, like all the things that are important to you as an athlete and get a sense of your dynamic and the way you interact with each other. And if it's like easy and if it flows, it's just like any other relationship in your life. Um, Whether it's, you know, a spouse, if it's your neighbors, if it's your best friends, like your circle, your squad, the people that lift you high, right? Your therapist, like you need the people that really align with you, that are going to make you better, that pull out the best in you. It's the same thing with a running coach. So we're going to dig in. First things first, like the first thing is really like thinking about and asking about coaching experience running experience, I'm a big believer in this, and certification. So with coaching experience, how long has that coach been coaching and what type of athletes do they coach? We all have a niche. We all have a certain type of athlete that we coach the best. It's the type of athlete that we really lean into. um, And it's really like our sweet spot as a coach. And we all have that. If a coach says they don't, don't, that's not true. We all do. We all have that one type of athlete and it could be the beginner athlete. It could be the half marathon distance or the marathon distance. It could be the BQ athlete. It could be the OTQ, the Olympic time qualifying athlete, right? It could be a trail athlete, a road athlete. Beginner athlete could be at a 5K and a beginner athlete could also be at the marathon distance, which I don't recommend. (laughs) Anytime an athlete comes to me and says, I want to run my first marathon. And I say, great. Like, let's talk about like how many miles are you running right now? What is your history? And when they say none, I say, can we push that marathon a year? Because it's a big commitment. It's a lot. Anyone who's trained for one knows definitely different than the half marathon distance. And I'm not poo-pooing any other distance. But when I ran my first marathon, I was like, this is wild. The training, the commitment, the body aches, it's a whole nother level. (laughs) It gets better the more you do, trust me. Um, So finding out like their coaching experience and what type of athlete they coach best or what they're what type of athlete they're taking on, right? 
Um, some coaches have waiting lists. Some coaches will only take on certain types of athletes kind of based on the other athletes that they're coaching. And I think that's really smart and it's really healthy. Um, I would also ask and think about like their running experience, because at the end of the day, that is part of being a coach, because at some point I, as a coach have to be able to relate to the athlete. And if I don't have the running experience, if I don't have the racing experience, if I don't have the ebbs and flows and the highs and the lows, I can't relate to that athlete. And that's a really hard place to be, to be able to motivate someone. So having that running experience, that life experience, to be able to help um, use that to you, to the advantage of the athlete, to be able to pull them through the training cycle. Certification is next. So certification is, you know, take it or leave it, right? There's so many coaches out there. There's so many coaches um, who say they're a coach that aren't certified and that's whatever, that's fine. Um, It's neither right nor wrong. It's just based on preference, right? There are a few few certifications out there. the RRCA, Roadrunners Club of America, and the UESCA, the United Endurance Sports Coaching Academy, are both two pretty well-known coaching certifications for long distance or endurance sports. Um, and they both have different tiers, which is cool. So you can get like level one, two, three. I have the RRC certification. And fun fact, I was in the very first virtual class they had, which was like May 1st and 2nd of 2020. We were still at stay at home under a stay at home order. Sorry for the flashbacks to that. Right. Um, so that's pretty neat. And it's something that once I got certified past the exam, it's something that I quickly realized is like this evolution of learning, right? There's so much learning can be done. There's so many philosophies and different approaches to take with different athletes that it's really good to have a more well-rounded understanding of, yes, I'm certified. These are my certifications and all the other knowledge that comes along the way. So, you know, asking about not just certification, but maybe, you know, what podcasts they're listening to, how they're continuing their education, Um, what articles they're reading, what YouTube videos they're watching, like how are they continuing to evolve in the space? Because running is an evolution and coaching is an evolution. And, um, and it's always great to have a new tool in the coaching tool belt or something to be able to provide an athlete who is going through something unique, right? Because every athlete's different. Everyone is so different. And there's always something different happening with every single athlete. I'm just thinking of this from like the coaching perspective. I was sharing this with an athlete, let's say last month. And I was saying, oh gosh, I got into this. And I thought everyone would be just like me. That is not the case. (laughs) It's very different. Everyone is so different. Schedules, communication styles goals, what they need, what they want. I am such a, like, put my head down, do the work, comment, move on type of athlete. (laughs) Very like 
easy peasy, right? Or at least I think I am, but super consistent. But not everyone's like that and that's okay. I think that's what makes running cool, right? We're all different. So if coaching experience and certification is important to you, asking these questions will help you get a good sense of where this coach is at with their experience, what type of athletes do they coach, um, their running and racing experience, which I think is highly valuable, as well as any certifications that they have in their continuing education around coaching and running and writing good training plans, not just training plans, good training plans. Anyone can write a training plan. All right. The second pillar, the second thing is the approach and personality. I like to call this the energy, right? What is the personality that you're seeking? What is the energy that you're seeking? You know, as humans, we're all very different. Um, You might be looking for a coach who is very analytical, who might not talk a lot, who might just, you know, write a good plan and you're good with that because that's all you need. You might be an athlete who really aligns with a high energetic coach who's praising you, who's lifting you high, who's in constant communication with you. Or when you are in communication, you're feeling very supported, right? Wants to have a lot of fun, also wants to work hard. It's really up to you and what you think you're going to align with most. I think with this step and the next step, the most important thing to ask yourself is like, when training gets tough, what do I need to be able to continue? Because training will get tough. It gets tough for everyone. I haven't talked a lot about this. I think maybe people have picked up on it. But my Boston build for this cycle has not been sunshine and rainbows. It's been really hard. There have been days, and it's more about the weather and like running inside or Shifting runs around to accommodate the cold, the snow, the wind, and I'm over it. And I've been over it. And I think my, uh, my, I want to say the straw that broke the camel's back was the 25 miles I ran in 24 hours on the treadmill, which was in late February. And then after that, I was like, done, can't do this. But I still had six weeks in the training cycle. So how was I going to get through that? A lot of it came from me and my desire to do well at the Boston Marathon and my desire to continue to show up and be consistent and ultimately because I love running. And I'd rather run on a treadmill than not run at all, but I'd also much rather be running outside in shorts, having a great time, right? So understand what type of energy you need when the times are good but also when things get tough. And a lot of times this falls in peak week of training for your race because all of a sudden the race is like close. Training intensifies. You start feeling nervous. And then oftentimes the athlete starts to unravel. So think about what you need in this sense and what 
can get you through. And this next pillar is about what type of coaching communication do you need? What are you going to excel in and with? Is it, you know, having a really assertive coach who's all business and, you know, really is focused in on the goal, the end goal, the time goal? Is it a coach who's firm in their belief, firm with you? Maybe that's what you need. Is it a very encouraging communication? Is it very little communication? Is it a lot of communication, right? I have athletes on both sides of the spectrum. And that's fine because I can do both. Having an athlete who's checking in twice a month, that's all they need. That's great because that's what supports them. And I have other athletes who need a lot of communication and want a lot of communication. And, you know, that's like calls in person, commenting on each run, expecting responses, things like that. And that's fine too, but it's understanding what type of coaching communication do you need? So the type and how often, right? And then asking as you go through your interview process, what that coach can do. And oftentimes coaches can do both, right? Like, obviously, if if a coach can over-communicate, like, you know, comment and talk and go back and forth with athletes on every type of run and have multiple calls or touch points, in-person touch points throughout the month, then that type of coach can typically meet the other athlete where they're at if they're looking for feedback on long runs and, you know, one an email versus a phone call, something like that. It's much harder for a coach who leans into more of less communication, less feedback to give more to an athlete, if that makes sense. So what type of coaching communication do you need? So the type and how often. It's huge. The type can also vary. Um, I have athletes who need me to be firm with them and not let them be inconsistent, right? And I have other athletes who really want like that encouraging communication, that cheerleader, that lift high, you're doing great sort of communication. Now I can have the same feedback to both athlete A and B, but it's just worded differently. So it's having a coach or asking the coach about that and if they can do that. Or maybe it's aligning with exactly the type of communication that they offer and you fall into that as well. The next pillar is online or local. Is this important to you? Like, um, do you need a local coach? Do you want a coach who is with, you know, lives in your area, part of your community? Maybe you get to see them in person. You get to run with them. You get to work out in front of them. Is that something you need and want? Is online okay? There are so many cool apps out there. Final Surge and Training Peaks are two of the top ones where coaches can 
create a plan. The athlete syncs their watch. And when they save runs, a whole lot of data is uploaded. More data than I think any athlete realizes. And, um, you know, we get to see a lot that way. And that's how we, along with communicating with our athletes on how they're feeling, how their legs feel, how breathing's feeling, how are they feeling, um, just overall their mind. That's how we kind of create the, the plans. So what comes through on that online platform? Not so much. I think the biggest piece that a lot of people don't realize is that I can see when athletes stop their watch in a workout. <gasps> That's right. So for all the Elevate athletes listening, I know when you stop your watch during a tempo, during a long run, I know. <laughs> And that's okay. My coach knows when I do it too. It's fine. Um, What's cool is pace comes through heart rate, cadence, elevation gain, elevation loss. Sometimes the temperature comes through depending on the athlete, um, which is nice to be able to tell what's happening, especially if it's a warmer day and maybe pace wasn't exactly hit. Probably makes sense, right? We have to adjust to that. So online's a really cool feature, but not everyone's in tune to that, right? So you get to think about what's going to set you up for success. Maybe it's a combination of both, right? You can still have that online piece, but see your coach in person or local too. That's what I have as an athlete. I have online And then I get to see my coach every, well, most Wednesdays, not every Wednesday. And that's okay. She has big goals that she's chasing too. And that's just as important, if not more important than coaching every single workout. Um, I coach athletes in person and it's great to be able to see them as a coach. It's great to be able to see their running form, how they're showing up to workouts, how they're showing up to speed. and you know, sometimes I find that there's disconnect between what the athlete says and what they're actually feeling. And that's true. I think in life, right? How often do we say we're fine and we're not really fine. So it's fun and cool to be able to see an athlete like run tempo and they say, you know, felt fine, but I'm watching them and it doesn't look fine. It looks hard. So it's different. And that's a big difference. And for a coach, that's a big difference on how I plan their next week. So find out what's important to you and ask those questions about local and online. And then like understand what you need as an athlete, right? What is going to support you best? Understand where you want to go. And then be honest with yourself around that to be able to align that with the other four approaches, right? So we have local or online coach, what is going to serve you best? What type of coaching communication do you need and how often? What is the approach and personality of your coach or the coach, or I like to call the energy surrounding that person, what's going to lift you high and fuel you the most. And then 
their running experience and their coaching experience and their coaching certification and what they've created. And if it's something that you want to be part of. I'm a big believer that running gets to be part of a bigger community. And even though I coach one-on-one athletes and everyone has their own plans specific to them and what they're trying to accomplish, we are still one team and that's powerful. And I want the athletes to buy into that because it is powerful and it's ultimately going to make them all so much stronger because they start showing up for each other and we can do so much more good with that than if it's just me showing up for each athlete. And I definitely am, but there's so much more power in having the connections and the friendship and the community, right? There is a Wednesday, not Wednesday, it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Wash Park in Denver group run that I don't go to, (laughs) but it is elevate athletes who meet up and run together and they have a great time and they are supporting, you know, it started out with supporting one athlete who went through a very difficult time on a morning run last fall and had a very scary incident happen to him. And they rallied and came together and now it's turned into I think supporting everyone to be able to run at 5 a.m. in the dark, but also showing up for each other, encouraging one another, talking through training, talking through life. They have like the coolest posts and they talk, they always share about what they talked about that day. I know sometimes it's me and that's okay too, right? Community is everything. So if that, in my opinion, so that is something that you're striving for, Really align yourself also with a coach who can provide that for you, right? So a good coach, I want to quickly talk about what a good quote unquote coach will talk about while you're going through a training cycle. It's not just creating a training plan and letting the athlete run and that's it, right? It can be if that's what the athlete wants. But there's so much more to racing and running than just running, right? So a really good coach is going to talk about pacing, how to properly pace and slow down. (laughs) Or yeah, slow down. Slow down is always slow down, slow down. Easy runs, workouts, it's always slow down. Fueling, the best ways to fuel your body on workouts, long runs, before and after, the recovery process and how to recover hard, right? The confidence builds you up, make you feel unstoppable because you are. And then being ready to execute your race strategy and feeling that confidence around that. Those calls that I have with athletes And I know other coaches do this too. It's like, you know, you touch base with the athlete. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Let's talk through the weather because that's going to make a big difference on race day. Let's talk through your process goals, which are those one percenters, right? The sleep, the mindset, the hydration, the stretching, the mobility. 
Let's talk about pacing goals with your A, B, and C options. A is when you show up feeling so strong and ready to absolutely crush your day. B is where a lot of athletes fall. And it's like, I feel good, but I think the last few miles are going to feel hard. And C is the gratitude goal that we get to lean into when it doesn't happen for us on race day. And we get to stay grateful for movement and for racing and just being able to be out there. We also talk about like the fueling and the hydration strategy, the outfit, all that kind of stuff. Set them up for success. A good coach is also going to talk about proper strength training and having the athlete really do that. I think that's the last few months I've really picked up on how unbalanced that is with running. And I get that we're runners and we all want to run, but if we don't have strength training, we're going to get injured, right? We're going to get hurt. We're not going to show up as our strongest self. And if you don't have time to add strength training in, sorry, the mileage gets to get pulled back. So you have time for it because it's ultimately going to make you a stronger runner anyways. So that's going to look different for everyone. It could be resistance band. It could be mobility, core work, hip work, glute work. And it could be going all in on the gym and lifting, deadlifting, squatting with weights, right? Something a little bit stronger. It's going to look different for everyone. An athlete gets to learn about all the things that I just mentioned, but it doesn't have have to happen at once. And as a coach, it's not something I want to share all at once because anyone who knows like working with a coach, there's this like period of time just to get up and running, right? It's like learning the system, learning how to set yourself up for success with the consistency and with the habits and just kind of getting into a flow with it. And then all these little things start to trickle in. It's usually in comments. It's usually about slowing down. How are you fueling? What kind of nutrition are you taking in? What does your recovery look like? You freaking crush that. You're so strong. The confidence piece, right? Oftentimes, an athlete's going to learn about all of these things and then get to relearn them because you're going to up-level your, rent, your running and your training and you're going to get to a new fitness level. So I'm currently in this phase where I found some fitness in the Boston cycle and we decided to shift the priority of what we were trying to do. So I think early on, I talked about running, like getting up to 80 mile weeks for this training cycle. And I hit 73 miles. I think that was my peak. It was about six weeks ago and had a recovery week, went in to the first week of what was supposed to be a big build. And I just didn't have the juice. I didn't have the gas. I was tired. My body was not turning. My legs weren't turning over. So we focused in on recovering harder, reducing mileage, 
and focusing in on more quality, right? The quality in the workouts and the long runs means like goal pace or faster, right? So I had, I was running very big workouts and I was running very big long runs, but my mileage was down from that 73 or from that peak. And I needed to learn how to recover harder because that first week coming back and not having the gas and the juice indicated I wasn't recovering enough. So we had that like figured out and then we added quality back in or more, we added more, but reduced the miles immediately. So I feel like I've been in a six week taper. (laughs) That is a true story (laughs) and that's fine. But sometimes you have to relearn these tools because you've up-leveled and because it's going to be different. Your fueling is going to look different if you run a two-hour half marathon or a 90-minute half marathon or an 80-minute half marathon. It's different. You increase fueling the faster you get because you need it. Or if you're running a really hard course right? I ran Chicago last fall, flat, fast, perfect weather. I took gels every four miles going into Boston. It was one of the very first things my coach talked to me about. I want to see gels every three. You will need it for the Hills based on the time and outcome goal, right? So if you're running a very hilly course, it's going to require more power, more speed, more strength. So you'll need more fueling. So it's really interesting how we can like figure something out, dial it in, and then everything changes. And that's okay, right? That's life. And that's a cool place to be in training when you start to up-level. So for a coach who is interviewing an athlete, right? Because it's a two-sided relationship. I know some coaches take anyone and everyone that comes to them. And I'm not one of those coaches. Um, I think I, I know I definitely love to see the best in people, but they're also, there There can't be red flags from the gate. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that athlete. It just means that it's not going to be a good fit, Right. The energy and the communication have to be there for me as a coach, right? And coaching isn't just black and white. It's very, very gray. Things get to shift and pivot as the athlete goes through the training cycle. Communication has to be there on how they're feeling and how they're doing and not sugarcoating it because that's not going to help anyone, right? Um The athlete definitely needs to be coachable. I think that's probably the biggest thing. So if you are looking to partner with a coach, understand that you need to be coachable. So that looks like being open to feedback, listening to what they say to some degree, right? It's a, it's a back and forth communication, communicating your needs and goals. And if that changes throughout the cycle and just being upfront with that, um, It's really tough when goals, routines, habits are established at the beginning and then something shifts with an athlete, but they don't communicate that. And then they end up in a lot of different ways. Like they could be burnt out. They could be injured. They might stop coaching. And that's not fun. No 
everyone wants to be there, right? I like to think that running, training, and coaching is like baking a delicious cake in the oven, right? It's slow, it's controlled, it's delicious when it's done, but it's not the easy bake oven that we're using. Remember that from back in the day? Maybe I'm dating myself. It's not the microwave where we get this instant result. It takes time, it takes patience, it takes grace. It might take taking a step back to take three steps forward. It's going to look different for everyone. But if you continue to show up and put the hard work in, amazing things will happen. And it's typically when you're on that, like, I don't know what to do. I need to up level. I want to up level, maybe plateaued, or maybe you just don't feel like you're moving forward. It's usually when you're right about to break through and have a breakthrough. And it's a really cool place to be when you can experience that for yourself. If you have any questions about coaching or what to look for, what to ask when you uh, interview coaches and when you want to partner with one, feel free to reach out. Email is S-A-R-A, Sarah, at elevateyourreading.com and Instagram at Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H, runs happy and at Elevate Your Running. It's one of the best decisions I made. I feel like it brings so much value. It brings so much time back to my day. And it's just so fun to have someone in my corner lifting me high and like be the second set of eyes on my training. And that's what I want to give to everyone else. All right. Let's talk about how to have fun in training. All right. So oftentimes I hear from athletes and this totally breaks my heart when I hear this is how they need to stop training because they're not, because they want to have fun. And I feel like that is so sad because guess what? We can train and have fun. There are ways to do it. It's a balance. And I'm a big believer that if we aren't having fun in life, then what are we doing? We get to have fun at work. We get to have fun in our relationships. We get to have fun in training. And if we're not, then something gets to change and shift because that's not a good place to be, in my opinion. So here are my top ways to have fun in training. So training with others, first and foremost, that always provides an element of fun. You get different personalities out there cheering you on. Maybe it's like a workout Wednesday, track Tuesday, and you're getting your workouts done with other people. They're cheering you on, lifting you high, and you get to give them that back in return. Wednesday mornings are very bittersweet for me. (laughs) They are the day I get to train with my team. And it's also an early day. Um, My workouts are usually very long. I'm usually the last one on the track with my coach. That is a true, true statement most, most weeks. And there's always that element of, am I going to show up today or am I going to be flat? Right. I don't want to be flat in front of my coach. I don't want to run slow in front of my teammates, but once I get there, it's so much fun and we get to have fun and we joke around. And then when it's time to run, it is time to run. It is serious. And then we can joke again when we're on downtime or standing rest or going into the cool down. 
Running with running groups is another great way to add fun to your training, but this could be like easy runs or long runs that are easy, or maybe it's a virtual group, right? I know so many athletes are running on the treadmill still. And if you have a Peloton, like joining a class, or if you have a group of friends, like I'll jump on FaceTime together. I've done that before. I did it in the pandemic and I think I did it through WhatsApp, but, um, we ran, I called like three people and we ran a 5k together and we just cheered each other on. And it was amazing. And it was like, so fun to be able to do that. And we just had a blast, like being able to talk and like share our frustrations with the run and all the good things that were happening and what we saw outside on our run. Um, so that's a cool way to bring fun into training as well. I love treating yourself to something. So I love like the iced coffee after a workout or a long run. And thankfully we're getting into a season that's a little bit better for um, drinking iced coffee. It's a little bit warmer, Um, but maybe it's, you know, a massage after a hard training cycle or a training block, or maybe it's treating yourself to a new pair of race shoes or running shoes um, or like a new piece of running gear to wear during training. I feel like oftentimes when we're training a lot and we're running often, um, sometimes adding new things in to kind of mix it up helps a lot specifically with running shoes. Like I love rotating through running shoes and I feel like it just adds such a nice different element every day to wear a different type of shoe. If that's something you can do, if you can't, even if you can get a second pair and be able to rotate through them, that will help as well. I ran into a few times, quite a few times, actually, a lady in Boulder. She is running a 50K a day that she started last fall. And with all of my complaining about the Boulder weather, yes, she's been doing it outside in the winter, in the snow, in the wind, and the ice. And we've had some very cold days, like negatives for huts. She's still out there running a 50K a day. And at first I didn't know what she was doing. I thought she was running doubles because most people in Boulder do. And I would see her on my morning run and I'd see her on my afternoon walk with Kenzie. And I thought it was like a double or whatever. And I wasn't picking up on the fact that she was wearing the exact same outfit from the morning. And I eventually figured out like what she was doing. I think someone had introduced me to her Instagram handle. It's run Candace run. If you're interested in following her, she's on day 140 something as of early April, she's cleared the world record by like 130 days or something. And she's working her way up to 200 days. And the last time I saw her, she stopped, I was walking my dog and she stopped to chat with me and we were just talking about like the grind of all of it. Cause she, you know, some days are really hard to get out the door and make it happen. She's usually out there for six or seven hours every single day and still runs a business. She's a mom. She has two kids. And, you know, sometimes I'll see her running and she's like on the phone talking to someone probably about work. Right. So anyways, we're chatting and she's talking about like, well, I have to make it fun to be able to do this every single day in these conditions, like it has to be fun. And for me, that's like stopping at the bagel shop and getting my favorite bagel sandwich and having that like halfway through my run. 
Now she can do that because she's running like 30 plus miles a day. They're slow and it's easy to be able to eat and drink like that on a run of that caliber and how slow she's running, right? To be able to do it every day. So think about what's going to fill your cup, how it's going to be fun. Maybe it's that iced coffee after a workout or a long run. Maybe it's stopping to get a bagel sandwich after your run or, hey, halfway through, you could try it and just see what happens. Maybe it's a new outfit or a piece to a running outfit. Maybe if you're looking to Boston qualify, you buy something that has that Boston qualifying, like the unicorn, the BQ, something to remind you about your why. I did that this morning going up to my treadmill run because we're still getting snow and wear my Boston shoes and wore yellow tank. And I was like full on Boston to remind myself of the why, why I'm getting on the treadmill again. You can also create new playlists that you listen to only while running to make it a treat, to make it special. I know too, Spotify has this cool feature where you can share your playlist and then listen to it at the same time with someone. So like you or the other person kind of control like the play pause. That's really cool. So you could do that with your running friends. So you're all listening to the same music. Can mix up your running routes, which I know can be really hard in the winter months. But if you can like driving somewhere to run or running from your home or running on the treadmill to try and mix it up. And even if you are on the treadmill, There are some things to do to mix it up, to have a little bit of fun. Changing the pace slightly, changing the incline. I like to stare at a white wall when I run on the treadmill. That's not fun, but it is a visualization tactic that I use. Like I visualize my race and that's what I do versus getting lost and looking out the window or something like that. Lastly, like signing up for a race is a cool way to add fun to your training because then you get to add a little bit of speed to your week. You have something to look forward to and race day is always fun, right? Most days, most times it's fun depending on the day. But these are all good things that you can add to your training to add that that fun piece to it. And you can still train hard. You can still be consistent. And you can have fun while doing it because if we're not having fun, what are we doing? And that is true in everything in life, work, play, relationships. We have to have fun. That's all that I have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you have a great week and I hope to see you again next week. Take care.